And if Jesus were to return any moment now, can you full-heartedly say you are ready and that you were serving him? That you have no regrets in your life? That you've done everything that you wanted to do? You've reached everybody that you, had, that you needed to reach for Christ? Will you have no regrets when Jesus Christ returns? Will you be watching? Will you be ready? So this past week, many college and university students had their midterms. This is just the time of the year. They have their midterms. Now, it's nice being on the other side of these tests. I remember being the time when I would be the one taking the test, and it wasn't such a fun time. But now that I'm the one administering these midterms, it makes me glad. It makes me happy. Gina, was my test good? Yeah? Oh, thumbs down. Nice. <laughs> but I love being the one administering it. Now, I have lots of memories about midterm season. Not good memories, but memories nonetheless. But for me, the midterms were never really the problem. If midterms were the only concern that I had, then the midterm season wouldn't be that stressful. So what's the main issue? Well, during midterm week, there are many projects, papers, books to read, and requirements that are also due the same time as the exams. Now again, these requirements aren't the issue. The book is not the issue, the paper is not the issue, the projects are not the issue. The main issue is that students choose to procrastinate. We procrastinate. If I had done my projects and wrote my papers and read the books I was supposed to read way before midterm season, then I wouldn't be stressed out. I would have all the time in the world during the week to study, to focus on the exams. But what typically happens? Students, like myself, we end up leaving the work for last minute. The very last minute, at midnight, that's when the student, in, in their brain, they, they, they think, it's time to start the project. It's due tomorrow at 8 a.m. I have eight hours of work to do. And to us, that makes logical sense. Eight hours of solid work, that's enough to get any project done. And so throughout high school, throughout college, we have the exact same philosophy. Because we leave the work for last minute, during midterm week, you end up having to balance your job, your projects, and your midterm studies. It becomes a matter of juggling these things. In the last two years in college, for me, I finally stopped procrastinating. Something clicked in my mind to actually start putting in effort. And you know what happened? Midterm season wasn't that stressful. Final exam season wasn't as stressful. It was still stressful, but I, was, I didn't feel fatigued. I didn't have to do all-nighters. I didn't have to work on two hours of sleep. I was able to wake up fresh the next day and take the exam, no problem. Now, a lot of people, they swear by this. They say that they perform their best when they are procrastinating. I mean, I've, I've said the same exact statement before. People declare that they are more creative, that they're more time efficient, the more constrained they are for time. There may be some truth to this statement. After all, many great inventions were born out of laziness. But even so, 
When one procrastinates, you end up rushing. You cannot ignore that fact. You end up rushing your work. And in that rush, you'll rarely ever produce your best work. Now, procrastination is a common issue. Everybody faces it in different areas of life. It's not just students who procrastinate, but once we graduate from school, we find another way we can procrastinate. Actually, graduates, right when they leave high school, they procrastinate about what they're going to do after high school. They decide the summer of, okay, I'll go to this school, or I'll, I'll take a gap year. Some procrastinate with their diets. Others with their finances. Others, maybe it's cleaning the room. Their house is just perpetually messy. And we find all sorts of ways that we can procrastinate, but many of us are specifically procrastinating in an important area of our life, and that is the Lord's work. Look with me in John chapter 9. And I'll ask everyone to stand as we read these five verses. And I'll ask you to also read these verses out loud with me. And it's these first five verses that I want us to look at. And let's begin. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. You may be seated. Thank you. Jesus knew that his time on earth was limited. He knew that the time of his death was at hand. Jesus knew that he would not live to see 70 years old. He knew he wouldn't live that long. And with that understanding, Jesus made sure to work while there was still time and opportunity for him to work. We must work while it is day, for the night cometh when no man can work. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for tonight. Thank you, Lord, for this message that you've laid on my heart. And as an area that is always poking and prodding in my personal life. And I pray, Lord, that I would improve on this matter as well. And I pray that the congregation, the people uh, listening to the sermon will also improve in this area from the hearing of your word. So I just pray that you empower me, enable me, uh, ease my sore throat in this time. And I just pray that we would just have a great blessing. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now tonight, we'll be looking at the three main reasons why we shouldn't procrastinate with the Lord's work. And the first one can be found in James. So turn with me to James, the book of James in the New Testament. James 4. And I can just go a bit faster with this point because Pastor Tim mentioned this as well in his sermon earlier this morning. And it connects with it. But James 4, 13 to 14. It says, Go to now ye that say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city, and continue there a year, and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time, and then vanisheth away. 
Unlike Jesus, we do not know when we will die. We don't know the hour of our death. We're not all-knowing, omniscient like Him. And I believe it is intentional that God leaves this detail out of our life. A lot of people, they'll be too afraid, they'll be too filled with fear, not moving anywhere away from their house because they don't want to die. But I think most people, if they knew the time of their death, they would become lazy. Now, why would they become lazy knowing the time of their death? Well, think about it. If you knew that you would live, that you would for sure live until you were 90 years old, if you knew that with 100% certainty and God told you you would live until 90, then a lot of people, their natural reaction would be to ease up currently, especially for the teenagers. We would say, I have 70 more years. I have 50 more years until I hit uh, 90 years old. I have so much time to serve God later on. So in this point of my life, I'll just do what I want, I'll ease up, and I'll just enjoy what this world has to offer. If, we knew, if you knew the time of your death, I'm sure the majority of people would wait until their final years of, in, the, in earth to actually start serving God. They'll wait for the very last moment. We would be too relaxed. But the reality is that many of us will not live until we're 90. Thank you so much, Pastor Julian. Many of us will not live until 90. Some of us may not even live to see 50. This is not to be a downer or to be pessimistic, but we have to acknowledge the mortality of man. Who can raise their hand and say they are immortal? No one can. Who can raise their hand and say that they are invincible? No man can. We are neither immortal nor invincible. Unless Jesus Christ returns and takes us with him, with, uh, with, uh, takes us with him to heaven, unless he returns, all of us here will get to the point where we will move away from this world and into eternity. All of us will have a day to die. There are many things in this world that can cut our life short. An unexpected car accident. For all I know, I could be driving home tonight. And I could get into a car accident. No matter how good of a driver you are, it just takes one bad driver to take his life and your own. And in some sad cases, they take the victim's life and not their own. They cause a death. They murder somebody because of their poor driving. One bad accident. You could trip. Now trip, kids trip all the time. But you could just trip at the right angle and land at the right spot, your head connecting to this sharp object, and you can die just like that. It can crack your neck. There's a, there's a thing that doctors are still perplexed about called the sudden death syndrome. It affects a very small amount of people in this world, but they call this sudden death syndrome because these are the hearts of healthy adult individuals, and it just stops working all of a sudden. These are people who are not smokers. These are people who had healthy cardiovascular uh, abilities. But all of a sudden, these healthy individuals just stopped. Their hearts just, just stopped working. The sudden death syndrome. There's so many things in this world that can cut our life short, and we never know when our time is. God knows, but we don't. The somber truth is that tomorrow, I know that you have plans for tomorrow. I know that when you go to sleep tonight, 
You're already thinking of what you'll be doing first thing tomorrow. You'll go to school, you'll go to work, you'll hang out with this person, you'll, you'll invest time in this certain hobby, but the thing is, tomorrow is not guaranteed for each and every single one of us. I hope it is tomorrow that we will all still be here, but that's the reality. Tomorrow is not guaranteed for each of us. Like a vapor that appears and disappears at a moment's notice, our life is the same way. There's no certainty to when it will end. This absolute fact shows us the importance of working and serving God while we still have opportunity to do so. And on top of that, why we still have the strength to do so. The older you get, the more your body will naturally deteriorate. No matter how fit you are, no matter how many times and hours you invest into the gym, no matter how well you steward the body that God has given you, age will eventually take its toll on you. Look at a guy like Arnold. Arnold Schwarzenegger, the number one bodybuilder. Everybody knows him for his bodybuilding uh, accolades. And if you look at him today, he's still very impressive. For an old man, he's quite impressive. He has a lot of muscle mass, but compared to what he looked like in his prime, you could tell the deterioration that took place. Age, you cannot escape it. You won't be able to run and jump like you used to. You won't have energy reserves like you used to. You look at these little kids, you look at Titus, you look at Evan, Ethan, they can run laps around you. They will never get tired. They only stop when they get bored. They will keep running around the church until some of them, one of them starts crying and, and tells their parents. They will keep running. They, are, they never get exhausted. But the older you get, the less energy you will have. Eventually, many of your senses will become dulled. You can't hear as well. You can't see as well. You can't taste as well. And some, their memory even starts to deteriorate. You can't even remember. A very sad fact when people get Alzheimer's. You see these videos of these children talking to their parents who has, who has Alzheimer's now. And it's such a heartbreaking moment. Because they keep having to introduce themselves and say, by the way, I'm your son. Every single night they forget who their children are. There will come a day when you can't teach Sunday school like you used to. You can't teach the kids in junior church like you used to. You can't usher the way you used to. You can't sing like you used to. You can't preach like you used to. You can't soul win and, and, and knock on doors like you used to. There will become a time where your energy will deteriorate and your strength will leave you and your opportunity to serve God lessens. And when your physical death finally comes, your time is officially up. And like, like a school test, you have to put your pens down. When the teacher says, time's up, you can't scribble things last second. You have to drop your pens because no extra time will be given to you. When you pass from this world, there's, that's it. There is no more time. You can't plead to God and say, God, give me one more month. Give me one more day to witness to this friend of mine, to witness to my, this family member of mine. You have no more time that you can add to your account. Your time is up. Put your pens down. Hand in your papers, please. When you're given a school test, 
what do you do? You naturally look it over and you start immediately. You start immediately. You put your name down and no matter, some people like to tackle the harder questions first, some people like to go the easier route, but no matter what it is, you start immediately. No one waits until there's five minutes left on the clock and then they begin their exam. Unless you're a risk taker and you like the adrenaline of having no time, every normal person starts a school exam right when they're given the paper. They don't start when there's five minutes left. To wait for the years when your body has already grown weaker and then choosing to serve God is similar to starting an exam when there's no time left. It is unwise. But along with the unpredictable nature of our death, we also have to remember this, the imminency of Christ's return. Turn with me to Luke chapter 12. And look with me at, at verse 35. Let your loins be girded about and your lights burning. And ye yourselves like unto men that wait for their Lord when he will return from the wedding, that when he cometh and knocketh, they may open unto him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet and will come forth and serve them. And if he shall come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. And this know that if the good men of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not have suffered his house to be broken through. Be ye therefore ready also, for the Son of Man cometh at an hour when you think not. For the Son of Man cometh an hour at an hour when you think not. Will you be watching when Jesus Christ returns? Will you be working when Jesus Christ returns? Will you be serving him when he returns? You know what's more imminent than death? Jesus Christ's return. I could be speaking mid-sentence right now, and without a moment's notice, Jesus Christ comes back, the trumpet sounds, and we're gone. That is how imminent the rapture is. That is how imminent Christ's return is. It's more imminent than even death. When you go to open the door, he could come back. When you, when you lay your head to sleep at night tonight, he could come back. That's how imminent he We have to be ready at any time. And if Jesus were to return any moment now, can you full-heartedly say you are ready and that you were serving him? That you have no regrets in your life? That you've done everything that you wanted to do? You've reached everybody that you, had, that you needed to reach for Christ? Will you have no regrets when Jesus Christ returns? Will you be watching? Will you be ready? Now, if there are any unsaved tonight, here or watching online, this is especially important. As I've said, tomorrow is not guaranteed, and Christ could come at any time. You may never get another opportunity to accept the gift of salvation. This was the biggest reason why I accepted Christ, Back in 2010, evangelist Lou Rossi was speaking on the rapture and the second coming. And he kept talking about the fact that Jesus Christ could come back at any second now. And when I heard that, and when I heard about what the people on earth who remain have to go through, I was filled with fear. 
Because I knew for a fact that I didn't accept Christ yet as my personal Lord and Savior. Because of that fear, because of the, the understanding that Jesus Christ can come at any time and that I could lose the opportunity to accept Him as my personal Lord and Savior, I went home that night and talked to my dad and asked how to be sure of salvation. March 31st, 2010, that is the date that I was saved. So again, if anybody else in this room tonight has not accepted Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, do not procrastinate in this one thing. Go with me back to James. Hopefully you have a finger there. We'll find a second point of the night. James 4, same exact passage that we visited for the first point. James 4, 15. It says, For that ye ought to say, If the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now we rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. It's often been said that there are two general classifications for sin. There's the sin of commission, the sins that the things that we do and perform that is inherently bad and sinful, that the, the Bible declares is wrong, and there are sins of omission. So there are things that God wants us to do. There are commands that God has given us, principles that we ought to live and abide by that we choose not to do. Those are the sins of omission. And it is this sin of omission that we typically commit. This is the second reason why we shouldn't procrastinate when it comes to serving God, because inactivity... Indifference to the Lord's work is sin. If we were to ask everybody to raise their hand, who understands that God wants us to serve Him? Who understands that we ought to be serving God, that God has commanded, that God has told us to obey His commands? We would all raise our hands. We would all understand that God wants us to serve Him in the present. And for us to ignore that command, for us to completely circumvent that command, that is sin. To him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Inactivity, procrastination, waiting until you're older to serve God is inherently sinful. When we choose to delay our obedience to his commands and to reserve it for when we are older, for when we are more prepared, we are actually actively sinning. God has given the clear command to study His Word. Are you procrastinating and choosing to ignore your Bible reading, to ignore your Bible studies? And if you are, to you it is sin. God has given the clear command to go out and preach the gospel. We understood this from Pastor Tim's message this morning, the great commission, the great command given to us. We know we ought to preach the gospel, but are you procrastinating and choosing to be silent in your witness then to you it is sin. God has given us the clear command to live holy and righteous lives. Are you procrastinating and choosing to please the flesh instead? Then to you it is sin. God has given the clear command to love your neighbors and to be someone who is forgiving of other people. But are you choosing to procrastinate and holding on to your bitterness? holding on to your resentment and waiting until you're older to finally let this bitterness and resentment go. If you're holding on to that, then to you 
it is sin. I could go on and on describing all of the general commands that God has given to his people. These commands are not something we have to do. If we choose to disobey God, we're not going to get shot down or struck down by a lightning for disobeying him. We don't have to do these things. These are things that we should want to do out of our own volition. We ought to desire to please God, to serve God in the present, rather than waiting for when we are older and we have no more time. Choose to obey God's commands now. Disobeying that and leaving it for much later on in your life is sinning. To you, it is sin. But lastly, in Matthew 6, Matthew chapter 6, that's the last passage we'll look at. The first reason why we shouldn't procrastinate is because life is fleeting. Again, we've already said that tomorrow isn't guaranteed. And the second reason that we just covered is it is a sin to disregard God's commands. We ought to be obeying Him in the present, not later on. But this third reason we find in Matthew. And truthfully, there were many more reasons that I could have elaborated upon and I could have added upon the three. But this last one here, Matthew 6, 19. Matthew 6, 19 and 20. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. The third reason why we shouldn't procrastinate is so we can start building up our treasures in heaven. This is for our benefit. This is ultimately for our benefit. We often say that the best time to be saving money for the future, for retirement, is when? It's now. The best time to be saving money for your, eventually when you have to retire, is today. Brother Jim Sammons, when we are doing the Financial Freedom Series, when he gets a paycheck, he says that the first thing he does, he sets away money for the tithes, as he ought to. But then the second thing that he, he settles is he puts away money for his savings. He prepares for the future, even though he may have a lot of bills that he has to pay for, he sets a small amount of money to savings all the time. Even if you can't contribute a lot of money every single month to savings, it's good to have a habit of putting money there Anyways, and why do we do that? So that even though we're only adding little by little by little to this savings fund, eventually all of our contributions will add up to a pretty sizable amount. And the earlier you start, the greater your savings could be. If you start later on in your life, if you start saving up later on in your life, you're not going to have as much. Similarly, we also can be building up and storing treasure in heaven now. Now what is this treasure? What is this reward that we get for serving God? What does it look like? What is it? And the Bible is quite vague as to what it is. We know that we'll get some crowns for doing certain things. But overall, a lot of the rewards and treasures that we are promised, that God will give us, that Jesus will give us, we don't really know what they are. 
Do you really need treasure in heaven? Do you really need riches in heaven? Again, I don't have the answer to that. But all I know is who the, the giver is. All I know is that God is the one giving these gifts. So even though I don't know what the gifts are, I just know that because they're from God, they are worth everything. And they are more valuable than anything else I can get in this world. So start building up your treasures now. There's so many opportunities that you can take, so many opportunities that you can follow through with that will gain you treasure in heaven. Now, I I don't ever want to make it uh, appear as if the main motivation for you to be serving God is the possible riches that you can get in heaven. That, that never should be the main, your, main, your main focus, that your main driver. It should always be your love for God. But nevertheless, the truth of the matter is when you serve God, you build up treasure in heaven. You build up treasure in heaven. It is not vain. It is not a worthless effort. It is not a thankless effort because God sees every single thing that you are doing to serve Him in the present. And the more time you serve him, the more opportunities that you take in order to serve him, naturally, the more treasure you will build up in heaven for all eternity. We're very quick to store treasure here on earth. I know a lot of guys that are my age, their biggest goal, their biggest financial goal is to get a new car, to get a new whip, they like to say. They like to get one of those fast cars. They're so fixated on having the fastest car on the road. I don't even know why that's such a big thing. You're going to get arrested anyway if you go at a certain speed. Some guys, they invest in other, other things that are equal to buying a brand new car. But we're so quick to lay down our, 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 our whole life building up these uh, earthly treasures. Well, one car crash, you could lose that precious car. One house fire, and you can lose your precious house and all of the belongings that are in it. People can steal them. It can break on you. We're so quick to build up treasures in the present. And our life is just a vapor. You'll only have those treasures for a very small amount of time compared to the rest of eternity. So build up treasures that will actually last forever. This sermon can be summarized by the missions hymn that we often sing. So little time. So little time, the harvest will be over. Our reaping done, we reapers taken home. Report our work to Jesus, Lord of harvest, and hope he'll smile and that he'll say, well done. Today we reap or miss our golden harvest. Today is given us lost souls to win. Oh, then to save some dear ones from the burning, today we'll go to bring some sinner in. Today. It was repeated three times in the chorus there. Today. The importance of today. Not tomorrow. Not next month. Not next year, not in the next decade, not in the next century. Today we work or else we'll miss the harvest. And honestly, this ties with the last message I preached last week on the value of one. Today, if you don't take that opportunity to witness to that individual, you may not have a tomorrow to witness to him. You may not have a next week to witness to him. Today we work or we miss 
the harvest. There are many opportunities given to us day to day. But the choice is, and the question is, will you take them? Will you take these God-given opportunities? Will you take these doors that God has specifically opened up for you to go through? Will you take these opportunities? Today is given you to, do, to accomplish God's work. But will you use today wisely? As a British statesman once said, know the value of time. Snatch, seize, and enjoy every moment of it. No idleness, no laziness, no procrastination. Never put off till tomorrow what you can do today. And we have the power of social media in our hands now. We can't say that we can't witness to a certain individual and we have to wait. We can text them. We don't have that excuse anymore. And I end with this. When the time comes for you to give a report of your work to Jesus, and all of us, we will stand before Christ to be judged. Not to be judged for the sins that we committed. Unlike this unsaved, they get judged for the sins, but we get judged for the work that we were able to do for God. And when you give a report to Jesus, and when you are face to face with our eternal Savior, will you be able to say without a shadow of a doubt that you gave your best effort to God? Were you able to, can you definitively say yes to Jesus Christ and say, Lord, I gave my very best to you. I worked every single day trying to serve you in whatever capacity I can. I worked to serve you harder than I worked for school, for my hobbies, for my friends, for my family. I gave my all to you, Lord. Will he be able to look at your works and say, well done, thou faithful servant, thou good and faithful servant, the greatest compliment you will ever receive? Or will you look at Christ and have regret and be filled with regret because you chose to procrastinate in what really matters? Let's all close our eyes for a word of prayer. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.